episode 26 of Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to the children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. My name is Doug Abel, and I am joined by my co-host, Eva Stanley. Hello! And this week, we are bringing you a show straight from the eastern side of the Mississippi. Uh, reason I say that is because it's the title of the show, WKRP in Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, a little bit of trivia on that there is all the radio stations that end up on radio stations and television stations that broadcast on the eastern side of uh, the Mississippi River. Those are all considered, uh, they all start with a W. Anything oh. done on the western side of it, it all starts with a K. So if you notice, if you look at your radio stations out there on the east coast, you'll notice that they all start with that W. Out I'll here we have like, uh, you know, out here we have KGB, KFMB, KABC, right. KCBS. Over there it'll be like WCBS, WNBC, WNBC. You are absolutely right. I didn't. I never knew that. Very cool. Learn something new every day. So there's one of those little tidbits of trivia for you. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so WKRP in Cincinnati, it's it, it was an American situation comedy, uh, that basically featured the misadventures of a staff from a fictional radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, show was actually created by a guy named Hugh Wilson. Uh, it was based upon his experiences when he was working in advertising uh, for a top 40 radio station named WQXI in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Uh, now, most of those characters and even some of the stories, uh, which actually include uh, the, one of the main episodes that we're going to be focusing on today, uh, Turkey's Away, uh, was based upon people and events at WQXI. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So the, you kind of get a little bit of that here. Uh, this show actually had quite a bit of ensemble cast. I mean, we had people like Gary Sandy, Howard Hessman, Gordon Jump, uh, Lonnie mm -hmm. Anderson, Tim Reed. Uh, Frank Bonner, Richard Sanders. Uh, you know, it was kind of typical of most MTM productions. Uh, if you look at like some of the other MTM productions, like the Bob Newhart show or Newhart, um, they had a lot of running gags going on within the show that kind of ran from episode to episode, following mm -hmm. specifically the characters themselves. Uh, yeah. So you you really got that rather than these huge outlandish plots, you know, racy situations. Although there were quite a few in the show. Uh, mm -hmm. But you got kind of that, and you kind of got a chance to see the characters develop over the series, which I thought was kind of nice, rather than just being cookie-cutter characters that were stuck into these plots. Mm-hmm. Uh, series actually did pretty good. They won a Humanitas Prize and 10 Emmy Award nominations, uh, including wow. three for Outstanding Comedy Series. Uh-huh. So I was kind of happy to see that. Uh-huh. Uh the show actually premiered in 1978, back on September 18th, 1978, for CBS. Wow. It ran for four seasons, 88 mm -hmm. episodes, all the way through to April 21st, 1982. Now, mm -hmm. that 88 episodes is kind of significant because when we start getting into syndication, which the show ran through syndication, usually you have a magic number of 100 episodes that has to make it in order for it to come out in syndication. That's this what one, I thought, Yeah. This one here really didn't kind of make it, and part of the problem, part of the problem with uh, the fact that the show was really having a problem here in the third and in uh, the third and fourth seasons was that CBS kept moving it around on the schedule, so you uh -huh. never really knew when it was going to be on. And that's kind of what killed it towards the end. So they didn't mm -hmm. really stretch out that hundred episodes, but they uh -huh. somehow still managed to get it out into syndication for people to see it because that's where Iowa first started watching it. 
Well, yeah, because I mean that was it ended in 1982, and what were we? We were what five years old when that ended. So yeah, yeah and it was an adult comedy. So yeah, that's exactly right. It was in syndication throughout our childhood. Well, and the I don't funny- know, and it yeah, and, and it's still on today. So it's really yeah, yeah, very cool. What I find is funny is that uh, these these episodes here that came out. Uh, they were actually more successful in syndication than it was running on CBS. So it was kind of uh, it was kind of a surprise that CBS is kind of like, oh shit, we're kicking ourselves for canceling the show. But yes, you know, what do you do? <laughs> exactly. So uh, it, it actually did. It was popular enough to spin off a sequel series, if you want to call it that. Uh, it actually spun off into nine, from 1991 to 93. They did have mm-hmm. a newer one called the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Uh, really? And it huh. really, it only had, uh, it had Richard Sanders, it had Gordon Jump, and it had Frank Bonner. And those are the only people that returned for the show. So Hessman wasn't in there, Tim Reed. A lot of the dynamic people that were there before weren't there anymore. Mm-hmm. Kind of sucked. I, I didn't care for it at all. I saw maybe two or three episodes and was like, eh. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. So I, mean, I wonder was, why Lonnie Anderson didn't go back. Uh, she was doing other things at the time. I think she was doing Love Boat episodes, and um, uh, I know that she was doing Stroker Ace with Burt Reynolds. Uh, she was doing quite oh, a few other things. So it was yeah, kinda, yeah, you know. Plus, she was Mrs. Burt Reynolds at that time. Absolutely, she didn't need really quote unquote need to to do that. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So let's go ahead and we'll delve into the cast itself, because this is really the meat of what we've got here. Uh, yeah. We're going to start off with Gary Sandy. Uh, Gary Sandy played Andy Travis on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy Travis was the program director. He served as the kind of the straight man for the entire staff. Yeah, um, I liked him. I liked his character. Yeah, you know, there was it was funny because the first episode that I saw him in when I'm watching the show, because I, I watched a couple of episodes here, and one of the first things I see is that he's wearing this incredibly tight set of jeans. Yes. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, my God. Why? And, of course, of course, when you see a guy wearing a tight set of jeans, one of the first things that you focus on is either his ass or his nuts. And yeah. I, I'm, like, looking. I'm like, I don't want to be looking at this, but I can't not look. It's that – it was like watching a train wreck, you know? Yes, uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe that was the style back in the 70s. I don't know. Well, that, it was awful. Yeah, that he's got this gigantic belt buckle. So it just draws yeah. your eyes right there even more. And you're like, yes. uh-huh. and, and of course, as I'm watching this episode, they make a joke about the fact that he's wearing incredibly tight pants. So I was oh, like, they oh, did. my God. Oh, wow. Well, come to think of it, I mean, I watched the, the pilot episode and as well as the Turkey's Away episode. And yes, that was the bulk of his wardrobe. He wore the tight you know, the tight jeans, the cowboy boots, the you know, button down, you know, that, oh God, it must be just, that was his character, but maybe he just was really comfortable in that, <laughs> uh, wanting to show that off or, you know, draw attention to it. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty funny. Well, he was, he was kind of just one of these people. He had gotten his start Andy had gotten a start where he was going around and turning around failing radio stations. That's kind of how he yeah. came to WKRP. Uh-huh. Uh, and we kind of get a little bit of the, we kind of get a little bit of that. The theme song is basically uh, talking about Andy himself, 
and how he was kind of bouncing around from town to town. He finally decided to settle down in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we kind of get a chance to see that uh, when when we start talking about uh, the creation of Venus Flytrap on that episode. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, now Gary himself, he actually has had a few other roles besides WKRP, although this is probably one of his best known roles. Yeah. Uh, he also showed up on Young and the Restless, uh, Another World, and then he was also in the movie The Insider. Uh, oh, I think so. I've seen that. He looked familiar to me, which was kind of a trip because, quite honestly, I'd never really seen the show, even in syndication. Like, I've seen, like, bits and pieces of it. I knew the theme song like the end of it, the WKRP in Cincinnati. I remembered that. Uh, I remembered Lonnie Anderson on it, but yeah, when I saw it, I'm like, he looks awfully familiar. Where have I seen him before? So actually come to think of it, all the characters look familiar to me. So I'm curious what they've all been in. Oh, I have a couple of them. In fact, the next guy, Gordon Jump. uh, Yeah. We'll be mentioning him in a minute here. Uh, Gordon Jump played as Arthur Big Guy Carlson. And Mm -hmm. he was basically the middle-aged general manager for the station. Uh, His main Uh, qualification for the job is that his mom owns the station. And so she's kind of like, here, take the job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of funny because one of the episodes that I saw, um, Andy's kind of joking around with him. And he goes, you know, look, Arthur, I don't know what you do, but why don't you go off and do it? And I'll kind of watch you do whatever it is that you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Arthur was kind of, he was kind of this bumbling and indecisive manager and just kind of just farting around. He didn't know what he was doing there. Um, yeah. He's kind of the main reason that the station's not really profitable, that it's screwing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's actually really kind of a decent and wise person, but he doesn't, you kind of don't see it until he kind of realizes it towards the end of, of the episode that he's acting all goofy and, and you know, off. Yeah. Uh it's kind of funny that uh, Gordon here, he actually was a radio DJ uh, at one time. Uh, he he was um, uh, in Dayton, Ohio. He was a radio personality out there for a while. So no kidding. Very kinda, cool. He, this was kind of like, it was kind of like, okay, I can do this. This is no different from what I used to do. <laughs> yeah, not a big stretch. Very cool. I didn't know that. Now, Gordon, he did pass away in 2003, uh, mm-hmm. but he actually did have quite a few roles besides WKRP. Uh, mm. He was Mr. Tomasulo in in an episode in two episodes of Seinfeld, uh, uh-huh. which you know you'd think that these small characters on Seinfeld really don't make all that much of a difference, but we actually have very memorable characters from Seinfeld, like the soup Nazi or or mm-hmm. uh, you know the the woman who doesn't swing her arms or something like that. You know you don't ever yeah. find out what the names of these people are, but it's like hmm, very cool. Uh, now he was also Ed Malone on. Uh, Growing Pains, which if I remember correctly, that was um, Maggie's boss when she went back to work at the TV station. That sounds familiar. Yeah. And I know another thing he was on, too, but I'll see if you mention it. Well, the one that I remember the most for him for was when he was on Different Strokes. He was on Different Strokes, yes. And he was Mm -hmm. the he was the uh, bicycle shop owner that molested the boys. Yes. Yes. That wasn't the one I was thinking of, though. But yes, that was a very memorable one. He was also he played a really grumpy neighbor on Golden Girls, too. Oh, that's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, I know who that is. He looks familiar. Yeah. I remember the the different strokes and the Seinfeld and 
the Golden Girls. So. Yeah, he was. I, I remember yeah. him giving the boys drugs and and having them uh-huh. watch the porn videos, the cart porn cartoons and stuff. Yeah. And he had he was like trying to take pictures of them and molest them, and it was kind of uh-huh. like okay. Yeah, and you know he yeah he pulled that off pretty darn well. He that... does kind of. He does have kind of a creepy air about him, you know, and that's, I guess that's the mark of a good actor is, you know, being able yeah. to play a variety of roles. But yeah, I, I, I remember that and it was uh, creepy. Well, I remember something my grandfather once told me and he told my mom this and he told me this as well is that if you are a good actor, he says everybody wants to play, you know, good actors, they all want to play the good guys. Mm-hmm. Great actors play the villains because everybody wants to love the good guy. Yeah. But you have to really be a good actor to make everybody hate you. Absolutely. And yeah. I can see that. I, I really can, you know, with this. So, uh, but yeah, that was kind of the things with Gordon Hunt. Uh, Howard Hessman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Howard Hessman played as Dr. Johnny Fever on um, on the show on WKRP. Uh, he was kind of a burned out veteran disc jockey from L.A., uh, mm-hmm. he, he came to WKRP after getting fired for saying something on air at his previous station in LA that he shouldn't have. Bugger! Yep. <laughs> I laughed when I saw that. Oh my god! I was like, "Bugger, really?" <laughs> yep. And of course, he—that's one of the first things that he says on air uh, yes. when he's when he's there with WKRP is he says, "Bugger," just to just to say it, you know. Uh, but yeah, he was he was really kind of always in sort of in some sort of trouble or another, you know, throughout the show. Like he was always he was kind of their ladies man that was fooling around, uh-huh. you know, goofing around. Uh, you know, he would get uh, one of the things that happened here in the first season is that he got hired by his top competitor in L.A. Uh, to go back. Yeah. Uh, so he goes back there and then he's on air and they fired him for not saying booger on the air. <laughs> I liked his character. I have to say he, he kind of cracked me up. I, yeah, I saw just a couple of episodes to prepare for this and he was probably my favorite character. So very cool. Uh, But yeah, I kind of liked him. I mean, his, his character's real name was supposed to be John Caravella, not Johnny fever, but you know, that's what everybody called him on the air. So, Mm. you know, uh, he also had a couple of other names on there. Uh, Johnny Cool, Johnny Duke, Johnny Style, Johnny Midnight, uh-huh. Johnny, Johnny Sunshine. Su- yes, I was going to say Johnny Sunshine. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> the, the funny thing is that he actually had in one of the episodes, he had a coffee cup that had all these different names yes! all over him. So I saw that. It was, a, that. It was a- Yes, I did on the on the pilot episode. He actually he was he was falling asleep on the couch in Andy's room, or office, and, it, and I was like, "Does this say?" And I saw Johnny in big bold letters, and then I saw a bunch of stuff underneath it, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I think that's all his nicknames on the cup. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, now, hilarious. This, I, I have to say that this is probably Howard's signature role. Uh, yeah. The one that he's most known for, but he did have some other roles here. Uh, one of the ones that he went on to do uh, after uh, after he left WKRP, he went on to be the teacher Charlie Moore in Head of the Class. Oh, uh-huh. uh, he was also uh, before this he was on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour where he'd show up, uh, and then of course the role that I one of the roles that I remember him from when I was a kid, uh, he played as Doctor Faraday on Flight of the Navigator. Really? Yes. I love that movie. Oh, 
Oh, very yes, cool. And that's one we'll have to cover here on the show because it was one yes, of my favorites Yes, I love well. that movie, and I have it, so I'll have to watch that. Neat. So, yeah, just a, just a little bit breaking out there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, next person in our cast here, we have Lonnie Anderson. Uh, you know, she played as Jennifer Marlowe. Uh, uh huh. She was. I really kind of liked her role when I started seeing her because when you first see her, you think, "Oh, hey, you know, great smile, cute blonde, you know, big boobs." Yeah. That was kind of the she thing. Was you thought very pretty. Yeah. And, and that was the thing. Everybody thought that she was this ditz and she was this, you know, little sex pot. And she actually was kind of just this intelligent person. And she was actually the station's highest paid employee. So I don't know. I don't quite know how that happened. Unless yeah. she like seduced them to to get in there, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, she was always she was always this informed, wise uh, person. She was always able to handle practically any situation, which I kind of liked. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was always very aware of her sex appeal. Um, she knew that she had a lot of a uh, lot of powerful and wealthy men at her beck and call. You know, Arthur Carlson, yeah. for example, and Frank Bonner. Um, uh, you know, she was kind of just – she was very strict about the limits of her job duties. She didn't type letters. She didn't make coffee. She didn't bring I any thought, the yeah. office staff. It was kind of like, no, somebody else can do that. Yeah, you know? I was wondering about that. Was it just she just felt like she was too good for that? Was, that, was it too demeaning for her to do all that? I wasn't That's quite sure what the reason – pretty much it. Yeah she, was, yeah, she was the receptionist, but that was all beneath her. Oh, gotcha. So I kind of like that. I mean, it was it was kind of like here you got a chance to see a woman, you know, in the seventies where they were still, they were just breaking through that glass ceiling, and here she is getting paid as a high, you know, highest paid employee at the radio station. Yeah, she's not doing these jobs, these demeaning jobs that in the sixties, you know, in the late sixties, early seventies would have been the things that women would have been doing. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of like that. You got a chance to see something different. Yeah. Uh, no, I liked her character. I, I what I did, you know, what I liked about her was that, yeah, she was a strong character and she didn't put up with any crap, um, which I I thought was very you know empowering. But she was still sweet. She, you know, she wasn't bitchy. She was still you know very classy. I thought that oh, she yeah. was very classy, and you know, but she you know kept putting off Herb's advances and you know just didn't put up with anybody's guff. You know, she was she was able to talk. Uh, you know, to uh, Mr. Carlson, you know, her boss as an equal, you know, and, and oh, yeah. didn't allow herself to be demeaned. I thought, you know, while I think it's kind of hoity-toity to like, you know, that it's beneath her to make coffee or whatever. On the other hand, on the flip side, I think, you know, it's really cool that she was a strong female character. That's, yeah. you know, and I admire that. And she was sexy, but it was very understated. She didn't, you yes. know, she did, she didn't have to, she was always covered up. At least in the episodes that I saw, very yeah. you know, um, very appropriate for the time, for the you know late seventies, early eighties, and you know very you know t- the makeup was thick, you know, but it was still very tastefully done and you know beautiful it, woman. Yeah, it didn't look like her makeup was applied with a trowel. So no, no, I mean it was definitely seventies esque, you know, yeah. bright eyeshadow and you know whatever, and the feathered hair. Gotta love the feathered hair and the Aquanet, you know. Oh, of course. But. <laughs> But I, that was one of the first things that struck me. Was, I was like, you know, she is a very beautiful woman, but she and she didn't need all that making, you know, all that makeup. Um, but it was just the you know, her character. She's working with all these men, and she was able to hold her own. So yeah. Now, Lonnie had a couple of big claims to fame. Uh, first one that she had was that 
you know, she was Mrs. Burt Reynolds for many, many years. Uh, yes, yes. You know, um, not quite sure what she saw in him other than, I guess, well, you know, let me let me bring this up here because everybody who thought Burt Reynolds was a hot thing in the 70s, they probably saw uh, Playgirl magazine. And apparently, I guess, mm. Burt Reynolds is hung like a horse. So maybe that's oh, what she saw in him. Oh, I thought he was a good looking man, you know. Um, yeah. Then again, I mean, it's a matter of opinion, but yeah, I thought he was good looking. I think he's still, I mean, he's, his health has declined somewhat, but you know, he's, he's aged well. And from what I've seen too. So, yeah. Um, but for her being as beautiful as she was, maybe it was kind of a mismatch, kind of like Dan Aykroyd and Donna Dixon kind of thing. Maybe it was. Maybe so. I mean, you know, Hey, I think so. At least with Dan, with Dan Aykroyd and Donna Dixon, they love each other. More power to them, you know? <laughs> yeah, although, you know, Burt Reynolds and Lonnie were married for quite a long time. Um, she but probably yeah. got tired of him, you know, carousing or whatever, you know? I don't know. I think so. I think so. If I, if I remember correctly, that was a big uh, part of it. And I think, I think Burt was an alcoholic, too, for many years. Yeah. But she went on – she was actually uh, – since you mentioned Golden Girls, there was kind of a spinoff of a spinoff from Golden Girls. Um, she used to play uh, a nurse named Casey McAfee on the Empty Nest spinoff, Nurses. She, she did. That's right. I vaguely remember that. Mm-hmm. It yeah. had – it was like – it was a spinoff of Nurses um, – which Nurses was a spinoff of Empty Nest, and Empty Nest was a spinoff of um, Golden Girls because they had the yeah. doctor on Empty Nest was like one of their the neighbors. Neighbor, yes, and they had they brought in for an episode. They brought in um, the women that were on Empty Nest, the daughters or whatever. And yeah, right. you're right. It kind of spun off from that. I don't think I ever saw Nurses, but I remember it was, that was like early '90s, right? Uh, yeah, I, I remember seeing it. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of watched it just because I, I liked Park Overall, who was in Empty Nest. Yeah. And she yeah. appeared on a few episodes of Nurses. So it was kind of mm-hmm. that tie-in there. So it was kind of mm-hmm. nice, but it wasn't like, ooh, this is the best thing I've ever seen type thing. Yeah, yeah. Did so, it only last for like one season? Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, okay. Same with her other with one of her other shows, which was uh, Easy Street, uh, where she played as L.K. McGuire. And that was kind of the uh, it was kind okay. of this uh, rags to riches kind of show that lasted one season. Okay, but she's done a lot. I mean, she's made a name for herself other than just being oh, Mrs. Yeah. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. So that's yeah. Well, one of Good. the things that I most remember her for, uh, yes, I will admit that I was a kid and watched this here, but it was the Don Bluth production, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, she was I the voice saw of that. Flo. So yeah, yeah, and I have to bring up too um, about. Uh, I guess it was 2006-ish, 2007. She played Tori Spelling's mother in uh, – Tori Spelling had a VH1 series for about a year uh, called So Notorious, and Lonnie Anderson played her mother. And it was I remember kind of that. Yeah, and it was – I actually have it. It's pretty freaking funny. It's like a spoof of Tori's own life. Um, and as everybody knows, she and her mother, Candy Spelling, have not always had the best relationship, and so she picked – Lonnie to kind of portray um, Candy in a not so brilliant, not so, you know, um, 
Hey, Wonderful. Lonnie, can you act like a can you act like my bitchy mom? Like a fucking yeah, <laughs> and it was it, it was executed brilliantly. It was very she was excellent in it. In fact, I think out of all the characters, I liked Lonnie's the best. She she and it was and you know to kind of smooth it over with her mother, she said it wasn't really you know it was loosely based on my life, mom. It wasn't you know of course. You know, everyone watches it and knows, and knows uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh, so sure, right. <laughs> autobiographical, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought that she played Candy brilliantly in that. So I don't know what she's done since. This was, I think, yeah, I want to say 2006. Um, but, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Now, next character I do want to cover here, um, this guy was kind of neurotic, or at least his character was. Um, uh-huh. Richard Sanders, who played as Les Nessman. Yes, uh, yes. Les, I I loved Ness. I, I loved Les. I, I mean, do he too. Was, I he do was too. perfect. He was for me. He was what made this show. Uh, he yeah. it, for anybody who hasn't seen the show, uh, Les Nessman is the fastidious bow tied news reporter. You always see him coming around. He was he was the getting the news. You know. Oh, um, so nerdy. So and he nerdy. used to he used he just, to take his job way too seriously. Oh, totally! It was like just you know, undo your bow tie and relax. Have a you know, have a cool one. You know, just yeah. Every episode, it was hilarious. It was very, um, it was comical. He was just very well, to the it, point. The the thing was is that he was he took his job so seriously and yet he was so incompetent at doing his job. It was just it was like I know what <laughs> you know. So uh, you know, I mean, for example, there there was an episode that I saw where he's talking with Johnny Fever and Johnny says, you know, he, he's saying, you know, I, I'm really trying to find my own style. I'm trying to make myself give myself a point. You know, be my own person, my own news reporter. And he starts using all this alliteration, and it's like. Kansas can't can't you know and he starts going off and it's just like oh my god you know less stop <laughs> uh, but you know he <sighs> and of course with this what happens is that Johnny Fever points out he goes um you know less you are the one who mispronounced Chichi Rodriguez's name as Chai Chai Rodriguez <laughs> and then he then he sits there and he goes he goes and um less what's that little dog that you you know that that little Mexican dog that you know of? And he goes, Oh, a Chihuahua. <laughs> Chihuahua. <laughs> and, and till the day my grandmother passed before my grandmother passed, my parents have this little dog that was a Spaniel Chihuahua mix. They referred uh, to that dog. She referred to that dog as a Chihuahua. So from uh, this oh, show there. here, living on. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. uh now, one of the things his best friend in the show was uh, employee Herb Tarlick, who we'll be getting to here in a minute. Uh, one of the things with Les is that he had a running gag that was going throughout this series, which I I laughed and laughed and laughed about. Uh, he would always have a bandage in a different spot each episode. Yes, yes, I was going to ask about that. What the heck? Well, what it is, is that. Is that- supposedly it was it was a running joke on his attacks by his dog that he had um, oh okay uh, did, they didn't delve into it in the episodes that i saw but i'm like why is he oh okay yeah now what happened is that when they were taping the pilot the reason that that happened is that uh sanders bumped his head on a studio light and he had to wear a bandage <laughs> to cover the cut 
so from uh-huh. then on, Sanders said, well, he goes, well, my character's always going to wear a bandage. Oh, wow. How funny. Yeah, I noticed that. I was like, this is so weird. Is he, like, just really accident prone on top of being nerdy? I, di- I didn't quite. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so, I mean, you got a chance to see that. And there, there was there was an episode where I saw it, and I, and I didn't know where the bandage was going to be, and I kept looking for it and kept yeah. looking for it. Yeah. And he gets knocked over, and you finally see the bandage on the very top of his head in an X. So oh, I was kind of like, oh, my how God. Funny. Oh, I was going to say maybe it was on his hand or something. Oh, how funny. Yeah, oh. I think within – well, I mean, even in watching, you know, Turkey's Away, I got a sense of the characters. That was the very first episode that I saw. And I got, I did get a sense of the characters even from that, but then watching like the pilot, the first part of the pilot, and then another episode, I definitely feel like I have more of a sense of, you know, who the characters were and just their personas and whatever. And it was, they each had their own unique qualities that made it entertaining. It was, oh, yeah. uh, yeah, very, very, it was, it was, you know, I, as a kid, I didn't watch it, and I can kind of see why, because it, it, it was an adult show. Uh, there so were I, a lot I, of I, jokes I, that would have gone over our heads, which I, I completely understand that. Yeah, so I had to familiarize myself with it just in the last couple of days. And, it, it you know, I'd have to say for today's standards, there was some subject matter that, you know, I was kind of shocked at, actually, that they covered in 1978, 1979. Um, that would be even relevant today. So oh, I, yeah. I, I liked that about this um, for sure, you know, but it was definitely a time warp looking at it and going, oh, my God, look at the fashion. Look at the oh, the well, fashion. We'll have to cover that to, later. To but kind of yeah. get into some of that here, I, I do want to bring up some of uh, Richard Sanders' other roles because he did have some other oh. not so good fashion moments. Uh, <laughs> he was the driver's ed teacher in uh, – in the movie Valley Girl. Uh, oh my God, yeah. He had a small role as Bob Wormser on Who's the Boss? And mm-hmm. he also played as Mr. Stanton in the Stephen King miniseries Rose Red. So I don't know if you saw that back in, I want to say, the late 90s, early 2000s. I think I did, yeah. So he was in that. Now, rolling in with fashion, we're going to talk about the one guy here on the show who probably had the worst fashion sense ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy here, uh, Frank Bonner, he played as yeah. Herbert Herb Tarlick. Uh, yep. He was the advertising account exec. Uh, had horrible, horrible plaid suits. Oh, it was awesome. It was so horrible. It was so awesome. Awesomely horrible. That's what I'm going to say. Awesomely horrible. Yeah, Frank just, I mean, he had these horrible suits. Uh, his He always seemed to ma- have everything match. His belt always matched his shoes. So he was always wearing yeah. this loud white belt and these white shoes that looked like something straight out of National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> oh, God. And the perfect, the perfect feathered back hairdo. And just, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and he thought he was like the uh, ultimate ladies' man. And he just did. absolutely oh. horrible. Uh, but yeah, he oh, was, he, his, kind of, his kind of thing with him, his, his 
his in thing was that he couldn't land the big accounts. You know, he would always try to get like Ford or Chevy or something like that. He couldn't get them. Uh, he would always just succeed in selling airtime for trivial things like Red Wigglers, the Cadillac of worms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He thought he was big shit and he was anything but, and that was, yeah, the part of his, I loved how he just kept every episode, just kept trying to hit on Lonnie Anderson's character and she just was having none of it. Well, and it was and like, you know oh, give it up. The, the reason that uh, Lonnie never wanted to have anything to do with him was because Herb was married. Uh, his wife oh, actually oh, yes. uh, was played by Edie McClurg. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but so cool. I don't, she had, didn't see she, Go ahead. She in any of the, was she in any of the episodes? Uh, she came in for a few episodes. She wasn't like a you know a full on cast member. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I did. There was a mention that he, yeah that he was married in one of the episodes I saw. Yeah. Oh, funny. Now Frank, Frank himself, uh, he actually did have quite a few roles outside of Herb Tarlick. Uh, he was. So. Uh, he was seen on. The horrible remake, you know, when they redid Saved by the Bell with the Saved by the Bell, the new class. Yes, yes. Uh, he was uh, he was Mr. Harrington, one of the teachers. Uh, he also played as Father Robert Hargis on the Growing Pains spinoff, Just the Ten of Us. Okay. And he played as Detective Mooney on the TV series Sidekicks with uh, Ernie Reyes Jr. Oh, Okay. So, is it just bearded? Does he look like the the father uh, Alan Thick of Growing Pains? When I, I saw him, I'm like he he looks like Alan Thick to me, at least to me. Yeah, yeah, I was like at first, at first I thought that it was him. I was like, is that Alan Thick? Yeah, um, just me maybe. <laughs> I've got two more people we're gonna bring up here. I've got Tim Reed who played as Venus Flytrap. Uh, yeah. He was the he was kind of the drive time and evening DJ that they had. Uh, he ran his show with a smooth talking persona and mood lighting in the studio. So every time you'd see him talking on the radio, the lights were down low and he kind of had that cool jazz type sound. You know? <laughs> he was cool. Uh, <sighs> now, his real name on the show, his character's real name was Gordon Sims. It uh, was almost never used to kind of presume this aura of mystery. Uh, and what happened is that Gordon Sims was a Vietnam vet, and he was wanted for desertion for, for the U.S. Army. Uh, so that's kind of why we never really, why they never really used his name. They always used Venus Flytrap. Uh huh. Um, however, you kind of get a chance. They had towards the end of the series, they had quite a few different backstories that came out for Venus. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he deserted the army at the age of twenty-two, for which he's been on the run from the law ever since. Uh, he spent several years as a high school teacher before becoming a radio personality. Uh, he also was a minor league baseball player, leader of a rock band, and that because of that, he knows several of the members of the Who. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, Tim kind of got around. You know, I mean, well, Venus kind of got around, I should say. Uh, yeah. Now, as for Tim himself, Tim has been seen in other series. Uh, he was he was the I want to say he was the dad on Sister, Sister. Uh, if you remember he that did show. look familiar to me too. Yes, uh-huh. uh, he was also a cop on the TV series Simon and Simon, uh-huh. and he was also Judge Gatling on the HBO TV series Treme. Okay, so right on. He kind of got around a bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, last person that we have here, we have Jan Smithers, who played as Bailey Quarters. 
Uh, and she was mm-hmm. the, she was kind of the the smart person in the ser- in the show. I should say the young you know the young upstart. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She originally started off doing billing and station traffic, so she was trying to get you know accounts coming in and whatnot. You know, she was kind mm-hmm. of dealing with all the back end of of Herb's screw ups in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she did graduate from journalism school. She really did want to do. Uh, she was really wanting to become a broadcast exec, and so it's kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, I want a shot at this. And she finally did become a news reporter later on in the series, side by side with Les Nesman. Uh, part of the problem though is that when she first started off on the show um, she had a real big serious case of shyness and you kind of see this throughout Mm -hmm. the series is that she kind of comes out of her shell and becomes a little bit more confident which was kind of nice yeah because in the beginning yeah she was very soft-spoken very you know quiet reserved um, and I was going to actually ask about that, if that was something that had, you know, that was just her persona throughout the series, because again, I've only seen like two episodes really in full and then snippets of another one, but she was the same in every episode. So I thought, oh, you know, that's very, you know, unlike Monty Anderson's character, you know, very. Well, they were the, yeah. they were the uh, Ginger and Marianne, you know. Yeah. You have Monty yeah. Anderson as Ginger, yeah. basically, uh, and you have, you know. Jan's, you have Bailey Quarters being the Marianne character. So it's kind of, you mm-hmm. kind of got a chance to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, funny thing about Jan is that she actually was one of the, uh, one of the only characters, one of the very few uh, who was chosen the very first person to play for this. They kind of knew that she was going to be Bailey right from the start when they saw her because they were oh, looking yeah. at all these other actors and the other actors coming in. They were trying to play shy, and Jan really was shy. They said, "Mm-hmm, mm-hmm." So it was kind of nice in that. You can tell. You can tell that she's very, yeah, she was very reserved. Uh, yeah. Now, this is probably Jan's biggest acting role uh, for WKRP, mm-hmm. but she did have some smaller roles. Uh, she was on Love Boat. Uh, she was on Murder. She wrote. Um, she was on Hotel, and then. The last thing that I could find, she played in 1986. She played with Jackie Chan uh, in the movie Mr. Nice Guy. Oh, okay. I never saw that. It wasn't all that good. It was, you know, I mean, it was. Uh, it was one that they had done because Jackie Jackie Chan really kind of he'd been doing a bunch of roles uh, back in the 80s for like his kung fu type movies, martial arts type movies. And mm-hmm. his big claim to fame in the U.S. was Rumble in the Bronx, which came out in, like, I want to say the late 90s, early 2000s. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had all these other films, and he was like, Rumble in the Bronx was his big thing. So he had all the other films that came out before, and they started just, you know, redubbing them for English and bringing them back uh-huh. out for the U.S. market. And it was really huh. kind of bad. I mean, it was just like, oh, oh okay. Oh. You know, and Mr. Yeah. Nice Guy was one of those films, and she was in it, and they actually filmed it in Australia to kind of give you an idea okay. of, of what happened why we never saw it when it first came out. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so let's go ahead here. We've got we've got our cast members out of the way here. Let's go ahead. We're going to run through the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game. We'll see if you can stump me awesome. on any of these. Awesome. Okay. Um, the actor who played... Um, Herb. Okay, so Frank Bonner. Frank Bonner. 
Yep. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the easy quick one. I, I I can do it through growing pains and whatnot, but I'm not gonna do that because this is the easiest way. Uh, <laughs> Frank played with Howard Hessman in WKRP in Cincinnati. Howard played with Jack Nicholson in the movie About Schmidt. Oh, there you go. Uh, and then uh, Nicholson to Bacon in A Few Good Men. Uh, you keep going back to that one. Dang. It's because Jack Nicholson's been in a lot of things. You know? I know. I know. Damn it. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, okay. Um, Jan Smithers. Well, Jan Smithers, you know, she was with yeah. – uh, Oh, let's see. Should I do – she was with – you know, she was with Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan was with um, – he was with Whoopi Goldberg in Burn, Hollywood, Burn. Um, you know, I, why, am I, why am I having a problem with this? I know Whoopi's done a bunch of things. <laughs> oh, I hope I stump you. I hope I stump you. <sighs> no, I'm going to get it. Um, I know you are. Damn it. <laughs> The problem is, is just that there's so many movies that Whoopi's done. She's been in Sister Act. She's been in Jumpin' Jack Flash, right? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, she's been in uh, uh, Ghost. She's been in... Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. Ghost with Demi Moore. Demi Moore's with Kevin Bacon and A Few Good Men. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just helped you to beat me. Ah! Why did I draw okay. a blank? I, I, I was like, I'm like, oh God, wait. I, Cause I know she's done so many things and that's part of my problem is I'm having this. I know. It's like, wait, where do yeah. I go? And that's what stops me. Uh-huh. But I can oh, do it. I mean, funny. you can see it. So. Absolutely. All right. So let's go ahead. We'll delve into the plot of the film here or the plot of the show here. Uh, okay. The, basically the plot of the show here. We have Andy Travis. He kind of tries to turn around the struggling radio station, WKRP, kind of comes in. He finds out, you know, that everybody means well. They just don't know how to do their job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's got, you know, he's got the bumbling station manager, Arthur Carlson, um, the snake oil salesman, for lack of a better phrase. uh, Yeah. And I mean, really just Herb is every time I looked at him, I thought, yeah, every time I thought about him was uh, was like, oh my god, you look like a used car salesman. He does. Oh my god, it was it was perfect for the persona. Just yeah, my first thought was, oh, he is such a yeah, such a smarmy little little salesman there. So uh, you know, we get that, and it kind of comes in. You you see him. You know, he's got uh, Jennifer Marlowe, who's the super absolutely phenomenal receptionist. Uh, uh, you know, you've got the spaced out veteran disc jockey, uh, Dr. F- you know, Dr. Johnny fever. Uh, mm-hmm. and so when Andy comes in, he says, you know what? I'm going to hire some people. He hires uh Venus flytrap from new Orleans, from new Orleans, brings him in. And, yeah. you know, he kind of, sh- he kind of shows up here and we do get a chance to see Arthur's mom. Uh, she shows up in a couple of episodes here and there kind of just, Splashing mm. in to say, "Hey, you know, clean up the clean up your act, so my studio doesn't get run into the ground." Yeah, uh, but pretty much, I mean, that's what's happening throughout. Is you just see the studio keep trying to go and keep trying to make ends meet, and you know, try to stay on the air. And it's kind of you, you kind of watch this and go, "How the hell are they staying on the air with the stupid stuff?" You know, especially yeah. with some of the stunts that we've seen. Uh, one of the episodes that I saw actually involved Les Nesman, where. 
they start off and you see uh, WPIG in Cincinnati. They have a helicopter that's flying around giving traffic reports Mm -hmm. and they're giving their pig's eye in the sky view, you know, pig's eye view from, you know, as to what's happening. And Les comes by in a crop duster airplane, you know, biplane, (laughs) and he's giving the radio report of the traffic and he's yelling it out as fast as he can. The traffic is horrible out here. Oh, my God, you should see it. There's an accident out here. This is Les Desmond reporting from my fish eye in the sky. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, I love so it's, him. It's kind of like, oh, my God. Now, the main reason that we're playing this, the main reason that we're covering WKRP other than a viewer request or listener request, uh, we have the reason that we're doing it at this time of year is that WKRP has probably this is probably the one section that I hear every year right around Thanksgiving on local news stations that you know local news and radio stations they all play the turkey drop episode. Yeah, I have to say that from the episodes that I saw this one was the funniest so and the most memorable. So yep. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go ahead and we're going to play the turkey drop for us here and I'll we'll come right back here. Okay. And I think I hear something now. Uh, the crowd is moving out into the parking area. And, oh yes, I can see it now. It's a, it, it's a helicopter. And it's coming this way. A helicopter? It's flying something behind it. I can't quite make it out. It's a large banner. And it says, uh, Happy circling the parking area now. I guess it's looking for a place to land. No, something just came out of the back of the helicopter. It's uh, a dark object. Uh, perhaps a skydiver plummeting to the earth from only 2,000 feet in the air. Should have worked. Can I help you? No, no, I'm I'm fine. 
sir. It was the most unusual promotion idea I ever heard of. Never been anything else like it. No, no I don't, don't suppose there has. <laughs> I thought it would work. I planned this thing right down to the last detail. It was perfect. Where'd you get those birds? <laughs> Are you okay? I don't know. A man and his two children tried to kill me. After the turkeys hit the pavement, the crowd kind of scattered, but some of them tried to attack me. I had to jam myself into a phone booth. Then Mr. Carlson had the helicopter land in the middle of the parking lot. I guess he thought he could save the day by turning the rest of the turkeys loose. It's pretty strange after that. Yeah, right. No, Les, come on now, tell us the rest. I really don't know how to describe it. It was like the turkeys mounted a counterattack. It was almost as if they were organized. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Okay, God, I love that. We got, you know, we you sit there, and of course, Arthur's Arthur stands there, and he goes, "As God is my witness, I thought turkeys <laughs> could fly." <laughs> oh, the humanity! <laughs> yes, all oh, the humanities. They're hitting like wet sacks of cement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they're turkeys! The crowd is running for their lives. Yes, I mean, it's just oh, it's God. so great. I, I love that scene so. You know, I mean, it's just one of those the turkeys things. turkeys mounted a counterattack. Yes. An organized counterattack. <laughs> yes. I, I just, I had to laugh. It's like, oh, my God. Oh, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. So, uh, now a couple of other things I do want to mention about the show here. Uh, one of the things with WKRP, uh, it actually was one of the earliest shows to extensively use contemporary music. Uh, and they were using not uh-huh. just like little bands that you've never heard of before, indie bands or anything like that. Yeah. But they were using big yeah. groups and, and big artists of the time. You heard The Who, Pink uh-huh. Floyd, Rolling Stones, Elvis Kiss. Presley. You heard these uh, bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now, in mm-hmm. fact, they also did help to kind of put people on the map. Uh, they used Heart of Glass, and it was, you know, Blondie's Heart of Glass. And that was widely credited with helping the song become a major U.S. hit. Really? I wasn't aware of that. That's yep. cool. Yeah, because actually, yeah, because uh, Heart of Glass was 1979. So, that's neat. So, you do see that. And then they actually, because it became such a big hit, they actually gave one of their gold records uh, to be hung. You know, they gave it to the producers of the show. So, the producers of the show oh. turned around and they hung they hung it in the office in, in like the bullpen where you see them. Uh, and you actually see it on the wall of the studio there so it's kind of that's neat cool that. uh, that's very cool so i i kind of like that um there yeah. were some issues with some of the music though we did have uh when they go to see uh sometimes when they went to go see jennifer in her in um her apartment she had a doorbell that would play fly me to the moon uh oh. and they end up having to change that due to copyright reasons so in later episodes when they redubbed it you would hear beautiful dreamer huh. Oh, okay. Really quick, while we're on the music part of it, um, 
when I did the search for the episodes online, I went, I watched them on Hulu, and it said there were some comments about Bob Seger. Do you know what the connection is? Did they play Bob Seger? Did he write the theme song? Do you know what Bob Seger had to do with the show? Uh, no, I think that they might have just had some music from Bob Seger being played on the air. Oh, I know that he was, that okay. was one of the things they did have. Uh, okay. Now, they did have some issues with some of the music licensing. So if you ever go and pick up any of the DVD sets for it or anything like that, uh-huh. uh, one of the uh-huh. things with it was that they were a limited amount of time for all these music licensing deals. Uh, they were supposed to be 10 uh-huh. years. Well, once licensing expired, uh-huh. later syndicated versions of the show did not feature the music as first broadcast, but rather generic sound-alikes. So you had studio musicians that were playing something that sounded similar to it to avoid paying royalties. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so I mean, we kind of we kind of do see that, and you do see that uh, when they were running it on their nineteen uh, nineties, you know, late nineties run on Nick at Night when they were running WKRP. They had to uh, substitute out a lot of the music, so it's kind of sucked. Uh, uh, yeah, that does suck. Yeah, but that was also one of the reasons why the WKRP DVD set was delayed for years because they couldn't get licensing for all the music. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they have a lot of the substitutions, which kind of sucks. And it was just it. Yeah. It is what it is, you know. Unfortunately, but that's you know that's licensing, and that's the that's the radio stations and and. The musicians wanting their cut, which I understand they worked for it. They deserve it. But in some respects, hey, look at Blondie and Heart of Glass. They didn't have that. They wouldn't yeah. become as popular as they did. So, Yeah. And the, the pilot episode, um, which was basically about Andy coming in and wanting to change the format of the station and, and play rock and roll and just completely overhaul it. Um, they show him in one of the scenes actually hanging up a, a Kiss poster. Um so I don't know. Did you do you know if they played? I'm sure they played Kiss music oh, yeah. because I thought, oh okay, yeah. I was like, oh cool. They, you know, he's right there hanging up a Kiss poster. So obviously, you know, uh, copyright and licensing and all of that wasn't an issue for that. You oh know? yeah, and I mean, that, and, and they had uh, movie posters all around the studios that you'd see with all these rock posters. You know, I know that they yeah. had a Bob Seger poster on one point. They had. Um, I, I remember seeing the guess who is as another picture that they had on the wall there. So, I mean, there was, there was a lot of uh-huh. stuff that you'd see throughout the studios, which I kind of liked. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Now, as for moving into our trivia, we do have some, I, I, I found some stuff that was kind of funny here. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, the character of Herb Tarlick, we know that he had really tacky suits and this is something, something that we commented <laughs> on earlier. Yeah. Uh, we do see, uh, in one episode, Venus makes mention he sees Herb wearing a particularly outrageous outfit, and he goes, you know, somewhere out there, there's a Volkswagen with no seats. And, in <laughs> fact, one of Herb's suits actually was made from the seat covers of an old Volkswagen. So That, oh, man. You know, I, I kind of oh, had to laugh you. about that. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, just <laughs> they were horrible. I mean, I the, one of the episodes I saw, it shows him, and he's wearing this thing that looks like houndstooth. But it's got white uh, pockets on it, you know, the white elbow pads, and then white uh, epaulets. And I'm like, what uh, the hell is this? It looked oh, horrible. Oh, God. Uh, uh, let's see. It made his character memorable. It just added to the overall effect. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, while paying homage at the same time to the hideous fashion of the 70s. Oh, know? God, yes. Yes. This was, <laughs> this was the bad thing about the 70s, folks. If you ever saw this, oh, bad man. suits. Oh, Whoever I thought they were in say, fashion though, was idiots. I'm sorry. Oh, such idiots. But I have to say, Jennifer, in the episodes I saw, Jennifer was dressed. Yeah, you can tell it was dated, but it wasn't that bad. You know, turtleneck sweaters, long skirts, you know, heels. Yeah. It, it wasn't like over, like it didn't strike me as being, oh God, that's just freaking seventies hideous. You know what I mean? Um, so she, to me was a, you know, at least with, with Bailey's character, you could see the button down and the high waisted pants with the belt and the bell bottoms and all of that. You could see her, you know, oh yeah the, the outfit, the outfits were definitely of the time. Oh with yeah. Jennifer's, you know, with Lonnie Anderson's, you know, Jennifer, it was definitely like, you, you see women dress like that now, you know? So. Yeah. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Uh, now, a couple, another tidbit that I have here is that the ending theme song, which was kind of this cool little rock ditty that they had. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. actually done by a group of studio musicians in Atlanta, Georgia. Really? And now the words are completely unintelligible for a very simple reason. There are no words. Uh, yeah, I okay. wonder about that. Uh, it was basically uh-huh. what they call a scratch track. Um, it's, you know, a vocal track that's recorded solely to help the musicians and the show's producers get a feel for the song and the melody of it. Um, producers yeah. liked it as it is, and it was never changed, so there really aren't any words for it. It's just this gibberish. And what I'll do here is I'll play it as we end the show here so you guys can hear that. I'll, I'll yeah. get that and the theme song in for us so you guys can hear that and kind of laugh about it. Uh, cool. Now, a couple of other things here is that Hugh Wilson, uh, who is who is the uh, creator of the show, he would do the warm-up during show tapings. Uh, and he's, huh? he said during a warm-up that the reason he chose the call letters WKRP – is that they were the only ones not being used by an actual station at the time. Uh, he wanted to use WSOS or WHLP, but they were taken. So he's like, uh. okay, fine. So he chose WKRP. Well, during the show's run, a small AM radio station in Georgia applied to the FCC for the call letters WKRP. And the show's uh-huh. producer said, uh, maybe we should take legal action. And the FCC said, sorry. Your trademark rights do not prevent a legitimate radio station from using the call letters. So that oh. station was granted the call letters. So there actually is a station uh-huh. out there, or at least there was at the time, of WKRP. I wondered about that. How cool. Yeah. Uh, now, something else. Regarding that music licensing that we're talking about, uh, the show was uh-huh. actually videotaped rather than filmed. Uh, because it was uh-huh. actually, believe it or not, it was cheaper to get... Uh, the rights to rock songs for a taped show rather than a filmed show. So anytime oh, you ran really? actual film strip through a projector, they charged you more for it. Go figure. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, how about that? Uh, now, in some of the scenes where you see some of the bulletin boards and uh, wall spaces in the studios, uh, you see them plant, uh-huh. uh, you see all these bumper stickers for radio stations across the U.S. Uh, those mm-hmm. were actually sent in by actual radio station DJs. Uh, who watched the show, and obviously this is, you know, there were a huge amount of fans who were DJs who watched the show because of what it was. You know, hence why we he- we still hear nowadays on the radio the turkey drop. You know, at least I hear it here in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of liked it. Uh, now, in 1980, Hanna-Barbera wanted to collaborate with Hugh Wilson to make an animated series of WKRP, which, thank God, it never actually happened. Uh, because they wanted to have all eight characters as dogs. 
Oh, really? I'm not sure how you'd pull off a radio station with a bunch of dogs working there, but, you know, it is what it is. Thank God Hanna Barbera <laughs> didn't actually get it off the ground. <laughs> That's uh, funny. So, and I think we mentioned this here about Johnny Fever's coffee cup, uh, all the different names yeah, that he had hilarious. on there. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so I think that's pretty much it here, unless you have anything else that you want to add in. Um, let me see. Let me look at my notes here. Um, yeah, we've already mentioned the god-awful, yeah, the, the fashion, the dark makeup. I loved, did we mention about how uh, Herb's outfits were like flat, like mismatched? Yes. Flat yes. The, the, like the, oh, the jackets God. that were, you know, he'd always wear like these solid oh. loud blue pants with, you know, a yeah. pink shirt oh. and, you know, this horrible oh. houndstooth jacket or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I have um, just like my favorite quotes from the Turkeys Away episode. Um, of course, you know, we already covered, oh, the humanity when the turkeys were being yes. dropped. <laughs> I had. <laughs> I, I loved how Les was just so serious, you know, just standing in front of the store there. They can't be. Oh, at first he's talking about the. Oh, I see a helicopter. Oh, okay. And it says, Happy Thanksgiving from WKRP. Yes. And he's like reading it slowly. And then <laughs> and he's like, wait, they can't be skydivers. Oh my God, they're turkeys! Now I was thinking about this. Maybe I missed something. Was he unaware of the promotion? Apparently so. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, did I miss that? Because I'm like, you would think that everybody there at the station, because everyone that was back at the station was aware of it, was he just kept out of the loop? I, I, I don't know. Was that really covered? I don't know. Well, I, I don't think like, anybody knew other than Herb Carlson what they were going to do for advertising. Because oh, when okay. he came out and everybody else is like looking like, oh my god, what a disaster! And Herb comes yeah. out, or, or not Herb, Ar uh, Arthur Carlson comes out and goes, you know, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's kind of like, okay, uh, you know, nobody else had an idea that this was actually going to happen, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, that is funny, and I just love, you know, the turkeys are being drugged. The crowd is running for their lives, yes. and then he's like, as he get, as he comes back into the station, his hair is all mussed. He's all, you know, his outfit's all trampled. He's just like in shock, you know, wide eyed and just like in shock, and like it's like the turkeys mounted a, a counterattack. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was hilarious. And then what was it, Mister uh, Mister Carlson and that other guy come back in and they're all mangled, yeah. <laughs> turkey feathers all over them. I laughed my ass off. I was like, oh, that's just too freaking funny. Um, and then the scene, oh yeah, the crowd is curious but well behaved. You know, as the yes. people are walking by <laughs> glaring at them. <laughs> it was, you know, I, I watched that and all I could think was, this is the Hindenburg. It's the Hindenburg all over again, which I'm sure that's exactly what they wanted us to think. Oh, it was so great. Um, and then there was a scene um, where Johnny and Venus Flytrap are talking about um, just the different promotions in the past or whatever um, that Mr. Carlson had done. And they were, they were talking about there was a conversation about an earthquake in Guatemala or something. And I don't know what the promotion was exactly, but it had to do with like 3,000 blonde wigs. And so he's talking about how he had to send, how Carlson decided to help after this 
uh, Guatemalan earthquake and he shipped 3,000 blonde wigs to the American Red Cross to help the victims in Guatemala. And the conversation was hilarious and you could just see, you know, the, the actor who plays Venus, just, he looked like he was going to just crack up in the middle of the scene. It was just like, it was so funny. And then they were talking about, um, you know, because in the, in the episode, Mr. Carlson's trying to feel useful. He's trying to, you know, he's got a nothing job. You know, he's oh, walking course. around trying to, trying to be helpful. And nobody needs him, you know. Yeah. And so he goes and he's talking to Bailey and he's like, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, what do you need help with? I, I can help you. And she's like, well, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, should I give out foreigner T-shirts or should I give out, what was it, foreigner or Boston? Foreigner T-shirts or Boston T-shirts? And I thought it was cute. Mr. Carlson's like, oh, give out Boston, definitely. Foreigner t-shirt shrink. Or foreign t-shirt shrink. Um, (laughs) I love how he executed the character. It was what I call sarcastically funny. My father-in-law is very similar to that. He's not necessarily ha-ha funny, but you have to really pay attention to when my father-in-law talks because he'll make a joke and it's hilarious, but it's very like under the wire, where if you're not really listening intently or watching his face, you're going to miss it. Um, very sarcastic. And I kind of got the sense, you know, he reminded me of my father-in-law. It was very, he, he was very funny, but not outwardly so, if oh, that makes sense. Very much uh, so. Oh, and I loved that. I loved that. But that was my first thought. I was like, oh my God, this is like my father-in-law. So I immediately kind of like keyed into his character. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> But I have to say, yes, out of the episodes that I've seen, um, the, turkeys, the Turkeys Away was definitely my favorite. That was probably my favorite as well, and that's why I wanted to cover it for this yeah. one here, for this time. Frame. Yeah. So, Other than that, I'm uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. Okay. Well, then we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of Talking About My Generation. Uh, we do want to say please feel free to leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, you can also send us a tweet. I am at S-P-R-Z-O-U-T. Or Sprizout. I am at Mommy of 3 Girls. Okay. Uh, you can also send us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation and Stitcher Radio as well. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and we're going to sign off this episode with the intro to uh, WKRP from Cincinnati as well as the outro for this. So have a listen and okay. enjoy. All righty. Wondered whatever became of me I'm living on the air in Cincinnati Cincinnati WKRP Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking Town to town, up and down the dial Maybe you and me were never meant to be Just maybe think of me once in a while That highway leaving you behind Hardest thing I ever had to do Broke my heart in two But baby, pay no mind The price for finding me was losing you Memory 
Cincinnati 